This is Drifting Cloud Press and your host, Gabriel Thomas Stevens. And tonight we have uh, Roman. And, uh, nice to be here. <laughs> nice to be here. We're uh, in the Playhouse and we are recording an episode on the living goddess. But first and foremost, how uh, did you turn up here in the form that you're in? So I, made, I, I came through the window, so that's why, <laughs> that's why the playhouse is in the um, can you can you describe like, to people where the playhouse the is? The playhouse is a really cute cottage on the side of the Darkington Gardens. It's just great for reading and studying, and we've kind of been inhabiting or squatting it uh, with a few of the poetic students mm. in the past modules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did I get here? And how did I get on this course? So through the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, metaphorically, definitely, because I sort of I didn't have any preemptive studies on the topics of mythology, mm. story, or poetics. I mean, I've been more like doing literature, for sure, because I, I, I started a BA, which I didn't finish. And what, what was that BA in? That BA, it was, that, <coughs> well, it was, it was German, German literature and, and philosophy. Oh, <laughs> so it, wow. was a, it was a dual degree at, at UCL. Uh, but I got really sick with the sort of method of teaching at uni and didn't see any difference between what I didn't like at school with sort of the mainstream uni. Uh-huh. And so we were just, um, with my girlfriend, my partner, we were looking at, because uh, she was also in uni, she didn't like, we were looking at transformative education and places that had more of the ecological side because it was the most relevant to anything yeah, <laughs> today yeah. uh, and found Schumacher. And I wasn't really planning on doing this course, I was just planning on going maybe straight up to a practical course, going for the food farming, something that was just like basically the opposite of sitting in a dusty room and looking at books and feeling kind of alienated by the culture, the, the education. Mm. But as I was applying, I saw this course and it was like, um, can I swear this, this podcast? No, maybe not. You, can you swear? I guess. You can, yeah, if you want. I was like, holy shit, this is literally like the best thing out there <laughs> to do. Because <laughs> um, it, it just had such an allure of like really tapping into what matters. It was yeah. sort of... Like, I don't... I mean, I think we can definitely say there's no other course like this in the world, and there's probably no other, like, no one else looks at it this way. Definitely. There's other, there's other <clears> sort <throat> of ecology and story and ecology and literature courses. Yeah. They don't have such a, like, such a weaving of themes and yeah, topics yeah, definitely. that ground it that much. I, I had the similar experience, because yeah. I went, I was like, there was a long a period of time when I was, like, looking at universities and... And just thinking, like, I knew that I wanted to do a master's to, to delve deeper into something. But at the same time, I just felt that push of, yeah, mm. this is far too, like, staid and, mm. you know, far too, like, dry academically. Yeah. And it'll just leave you, like, uninspired. Uninspired, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Out. But whereas with the Poetics of Imagination as a course, it's, it's far from it. Um, it's that, That's probably, that's just probably the most amazing thing. It's like, you able to course where you're, like, looking up to the... the the subject and study so much and you get there and you get more than what you expected in so many ways and more of like so people, much more more of the teachers <clears> more <throat> of the pace damn just yeah i love i love <laughs> that you found it through schumacher as well mm. so it's kind of like it was through the window yeah um, was the window. that you, that you also, found yeah. it but also i don't think i was gonna be there at all because i don't have a ba i'm currently 19. yeah you see so you're the, you're eight, the eight, youngest eight, on the course yeah 18 when applying um, uh, wow i just sent like a like a passionate statement like everyone's said a passionate statement obviously and everyone's yeah said, everyone said why oh this is the most important thing i want to study right now 
But clearly they just... saw something in you that... Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, wow, that's that's incredible. Because <laughs> you, you guys were, were studying the uh, Celtic module last... On the, oh, well, it was more... The third module. The third this module one. was more yeah. about Shakespeare this year, though. Yeah, it, obviously it varies massively, like, um, because we have... Because we have we, most of us at least are expecting to come here to look at mythology, mm. which is why what I applied for in the first place, and also what I applied for knowing that I had absolutely no experience or sort of, yeah, intuitive yeah, yeah. touch in the matter, but I just had like this, this like a year-long exploration discovery that sort of anything that matters and that we talk about, and especially ecology and the climate crisis and so on, like firstly sort of flows in story, and if we actually do anything about it, we're only going to be able to through story. Uh, through story. And, mm. so, and so I guess that's the, obviously that's the binding link between the, everything that the different tutors on the course bring. But like mm. Shakespeare is just something that Van Arthur can't really bring. <laughs> I, don't, I, like, I don't know what there was, what was, was there like a replacement of it last year? Last we just didn't have it. We just, just didn't have, have Shakespeare. It. So you had less, less teaching material. Or... I think we just had more of the Celtic. That um, nice. And I, I remember Martin saying last year that uh, the Irish... There's a sort of a tradition when you tell a story that you always crack the window. Wow. So you cool. always allow uh, some breadth into the room to nice. to, to acknowledge that the story is a living living mm. being. So I just, yeah, it reminded me of that when you said that you, you came through the window. And as we're in the playhouse, there is a window cracked yeah. open behind you. So. <laughs> well, going before um, Module 3 was Module 2, which we yeah. both did. And that was the uh, Greeks. The Greek module. Negotiating fables, which was more, which was more sort of unified. Like there was, although, although it was presented with loads of other sort of opening entrances with like Gilgamesh, yeah, and with other founding creation myths and sort of myths of early civilizations. Yeah, that's it. Was the but like the Celts are so hard to pinpoint. Uh, yeah. It allows for all sorts of like misdemeanors and, and craziness, whereas the Greeks are quite. Are well established in their pantheon, aren't I, they? I feel like the, the Celts and most of us, at least like what I experience, is that you get a bit more of the, the magic and sort of the animal wisdom. The, it's the a kind of return to module one, module one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where you're talking kind of. about the the, the uh, oral traditions yeah, yeah, yeah. of story. Um, but yeah, for today, uh, the topic is the living goddess. And I was very... It was a delight to read your essay. And I was... Um, the first question that arose naturally was... Uh, so just to give a, con- a bit of context um, to the audience um, who are listening, the the essay was looking at uh, women in ancient Greece. Yeah. Um, so it's, well, the title was like something along sort of the rituals of, of ancient Greek women, uh, yeah. how they like consisted of sort of resistance to the, the male order and male cosmology of ancient Greeks at the time. And it's like just ties to goddesses and mythology mm. um, and you're sort of you you're sort yeah. of making that comparison of the repression of women in yeah. the yeah. the greek state and how it's how it translates to this present moment yeah. um really but, re- yeah really all the the essays i think i'm going to write are just sort of me trying to cheat and get back to module one <laughs> and discuss, <laughs> discuss the, the earlier the other stories but i'm really i'm really curious because uh, that you decided to write um, an essay on uh, women and uh, the mm. repression of women as a man um, yeah, okay. and I was yeah so, I was just kind of like curious as to where where that inspiration came from um, and to take that on as as a man yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there'll be there's going to be loads to talk about in that relation but the, the the first thing just 
when you have to choose an essay topic in question and, and study uh, for that module is I just looked at what, like, what interested me in that and everything we looked at. So what was the essay question that you did? In... It was none of them at the point. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I did, like out of the 12 questions, even, even the last question, I don't really... I don't really abide by it either. Okay. Because because it was like <laughs> this, this whole, such a romantic this whole module just went like it's just too much, you know. Because I mean that's also why I wanted to sort of introduce and, and talk about it because the the okay. Greeks uh-huh. as like a sort of academic study and as a study of story and and literature, it's just like a lot of us just see it, you know, this massively classical, archaic, uh, perhaps like dominant and just associated with you know when you look at oxford Eton, mm. cambridge yeah i mean yeah. We, had, we had a point the during, classics the yeah the classics basically <clears throat> we, had, we had a point during the the module where we're like oh you know a bunch of the older um mythological studies and textual analysis of like the the iliad and the odyssey in in england in the 19th century 18th century were like by prime ministers and and polit- politicians and mm. like dukes and stuff and it's like what does it mean for our culture Mm. and for you know what we have as heritage of these studies that it was like these guys that were you know had their fucking their drawers stuffed up with manuscripts of the odyssey and seeing like yeah just seeing yeah the, the, the iliad, iliad is often quoted sure. for you know pro-war and yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like it, had, it had, obviously has an impact so so out of all of that where like in what direct in what direction to step with the interest that we have in this in this course and in that module, yeah, if you want to study it, and so I was like, what is there any any particular subject that touched on like touched on me? And I think it was the very the one we we started with at the very beginning of that module, which was female lament, because um, we had you were there right, I think we had, yeah, uh, we had yeah. a beautiful, really touching session um, with a singer whose name I don't remember. Nor do I, but it was but it was a great session. It was amazing. Um, um, singing we were singing a few of the the songs um and even s- some of the poems yeah uh but in in gaelic as well and it was gaelic there was one i believe there was one in sumerian sumerian one yeah. in greek one in turkish maybe yeah and and it was just instantaneously like touching and very much a shared experience between us and i, I just came back to it because a few of the times especially with alice alice oswald as we were looking at the the text uh, the the topic of like just women's expression and women's voice in those texts seemed very sort of preeminent. Uh, goddess like goddesses and and female characters in Greek myth occupy a lot of space, and it's sort of like that that paradox, or at least you know they're kind of in the in the public mm. in the communal consciousness as like you think of Artemis, you think of Aphrodite, you think of different goddesses, but at the same time we're very much aware looking at these stories if you want to look at like where they come from that just women's <laughs> lives in Greece was just a shithouse because um, they were just slaves. And, well, there's a lot, a lot more to say about that, but just right. that immediate that immediate paradox <clears throat> yeah. uh, was kind of, kind of hit me as a question. And also, like, dual, like, like tied to that, that first, that first session of the song to me was important because it was a really felt body experience and it was really, like, you know, what, what do we actually draw from these stories in our in our body and in something that they explained and shared with everyone, not something that's just sort of obscure, yeah, <laughs> complicated yeah. language that you know, like we're saying a lot of stuff. How many how many people can actually reach and immediately grasp mm. these, these topics and these myths? Yeah, that's with it. With a song, 
on everyone and straight that, away yeah. Yeah, yeah and if that song is tied to specific forms of expression and shape that are in that case tied to women's lament there's a lot to explore beneath the surface yeah and tr- it's true because that lament which was previously uh you know for the role of women but there was also there are cultures as well that yeah. where men are absolutely uh, key the keen keening, is the keening. keening. yeah um but yeah, that I think it's, it really can be a shared expen- experience that goes beyond gender, doesn't it? Yeah, that really. You can have that experience that's so yeah visceral, isn't it, in your body? It's good. It's good that you said beyond gender. <laughs> yeah, it is beyond uh, gender. It is in beyond a way. gender, definitely. And I, I mean, think, grief, grief doesn't yeah. you know bypasses all all forms of uh, label labeling. For, for sure, for sure, it does, and it's also that was an important top like point I tried to make in my essay, I don't know how much I managed to convey it because it was sort of all over the place, but that to sort of, to point out all these examples of female lament, female rituals, female cultures, goddesses, it wasn't, it isn't necessarily to like put an essential feminine feature to them. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't to say that you can only tap into them and access them and, and like feel human when being in contact with them if you are a woman or if you <clears throat> tap into whatever you call femininity, it's just to say that there is, there's a reason for why these are all on, like, you know, female and, and it touches it into like, it is a construct, like it's a sort of historically constructed reason, right? It's mm. a sort of, yeah, yeah. if, if there are, so, if, I mean, you can go and jump to the sort of historical social condition of Greek women to kind of get a, clearer picture but if if there are women who have to like leave the city and construct their own means of celebration and joy and leave their own lives and have rituals such as uh i don't know if you i mean you read my essay but <laughs> the case of the main ads so the main, the main ads, ads yeah the main the ads were, were yeah the back the back hands the back eyes the main ads they were um they weren't priests but they were believers and and Dionysus. Yeah, followers of Dionysus. So for for those listening, Dionysus is the wine god and, well, far more than that, but... The god of ecstasy. Ecstasy, revelry and all that. Goat beards. Goat beards. (laughs) Don't forget the goat beards. Mischief. Yeah. And, I mean, that's funny, because the thing you did when you you came for the second module with a hat and had pieces of paper inside and we all picked our our sort of tributary gods and goddesses. From the the pantheon of the 12 Olympians. Yeah. The Olympian gods. Yeah, and I picked... Dionysus. Dionysus, yeah. So, that was kind of prophetic as well. And it's funny because I picked Poseidon. Oh, And nice. at the beginning of your essay, you talk about the division that happened in, mm. um, where the women would always vote for Athena and yeah. the men would vote for Poseidon. As, as a basis as a of Athens. And then at, because um, Athena usually... What, what I gained from your essay yeah. was that she usually would win. Sure, and so sure, the, sure. the men, like got kind of a rivalry and a jealousy almost and, absolutely um sort of inflicted a, a harder rule yeah yeah, on, uh, yeah I, th- I thought that was a fascinating fact because I, I think before we dive into like the uh, rituals and all that i think mm. it's it's really important that to frame the greeks because i think in your essay what you do so well is that the, the, the greeks are just such a good medicine for our time now because mm. they're so similar aren't they in mm. the sense of uh the city state yeah. Um, a lot of law, a lot of uh, so-called order. Spheres of expression. Sphere, spheres of expression are yeah. very similar. Yeah. Um, but also, there's 
it's good medicine because it's so close to what our culture is now. But if you look behind or beneath the hood, you can see how, as you were saying, like you highlighted, like some gods are goddesses and, and mm. you know, their genders are uh, malleable and sure, can sure. move. And, sure, sure. and also I think it's fascinating that, you know, the plays that you cite were written by men yeah. on women and you're doing the same thing. So it's kind of like, there's just constant, like, sh there's like a shape-shifting uh, stream of consciousness that like goes underneath the Greeks, isn't it? That... So it, yeah, it's very much, it's very much sort of um, kind of repressed in a way. So like, like if 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 the if people like Euripides who wrote the Bacchae and who talked about the main ads felt compelled to do so, it's it can only like, it can only be said that it's because he was witnessing and partaking in a society where women were you know oppressed in that way and thus had these modes of expression mm. and it flowed through and so it was like. If we if we come to these stories after looking at all the Greek myths, it's because there's a number current between beneath them. It's because they can't obviously they can't be they can't be completely uprooted from their from their like mythical and historical background. Mm. If if like stories like these stories of the the Odyssey, stories of the Iliad, stories of the the lone Greek hero's journey, stories of Perseus who like you know built the the the, the earliest Greek civilizations. Oh, ooh. No, that was just someone walking through. <laughs> Sorry. We were in the playhouse. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, they, if we can look at them today as like dominant narratives and just sort of extract universal beliefs from them that's how we should act, so mm. we see, it's because they've been uprooted. It's because they've, they've been transformed and transfigured to become like dominant myths and, and narratives we follow and we question them less. So if you if you like if you look at the actual conditions of where it came from and explore these alternatives, right. what you what you could call rewilding or rebooting stories, which a lot of authors try and do nowadays, you kind mm. of perceive why there's an interest in them, and you kind of like yeah, you understand why it isn't it isn't a sort of essentialization, <laughs> right, right, of um, the feminine or of women. It's just that those were the, just that's how it was at the time. Like that, they, they they did live through that, so they could only react in that way, and it flowed through 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 the the theatre, the plays, and the theatre and the text that were written. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have a, a quote that I was looking at a lot um, when starting to write the essay. Which written here. That kind of probably summarizes everything I just said much better. <laughs> which is from a book by Erich Eric Newman called The Great Mother. Which I actually read, but the quote just says, Greek mythology is largely the dragon fight mythology of the a dragon dragon fight. Dragon fight. Mythology <laughs> of a consciousness struggling for independence from the mother image, and this struggle was decisive for the spiritual importance of Greece. Wow. And like given that context, you'd wonder, okay, why? Why the mother image? Why the why is it why is that spiritually decisive? And it's like that's what led me to sort of keep on going with the initial interests in, in women's resistance, women's rituals in Greece is that there was something beneath it. There was a wide, wide web of um, mythology and mythography to uncover that I thought yeah. would be interesting to pull together to yeah, kind of answer yeah. these questions of, you know, like, oh, does it feel like just taking one side? Does it feel, yeah. Because the role of women within, like, text... Um... Like the Odyssey, you know, or the Iliad, they're so important. Mm. 
you know, they're such an undercurrent of power within, like, they're the weavers of the story. Mm. Um, so yeah, so what the, 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 one of the um, examples you were giving were the Bacchae and the followers of Dionysus. Yeah. Um, and so what, what, what did they entail? What did, what they did, what, what was, how did they sort of revolt against the, the main, the main ads. Yeah. The main uh, ads. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The main ads had, um, I think they're, they're mainly like studied and known for, uh, their rituals for the Oresteas. I think that's the right. Yeah. Name. Yeah. So, yeah. Which means or the Oresteia. Or yeah. maybe. Or it's Which, funny, isn't it? Because there's it there's is, a yeah. lot of ways of pronouncing it, but there's also. I, <laughs> I think it's also because it's like the title of another book. The Oresteia yeah. might be some, ah right. Some play that's not related at all. Ah, oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Or, or buy or something. Uh, oh, so the Oresteia doesn't have anything to do because that's what I was thinking. Of. I think I don't think so. Really? Potentially. Okay. I mean, I might have it somewhere. I don't think that's that. By Isaclis, or I'm probably pronouncing with the, that name. With the, with the main ads? I don't think so. Oh, the door just opened. <laughs> Maybe it's protest. <laughs> um, but all their, sorts of things again. Yeah, their main, their main ritual, the Orabaya, uh, just means something like to the mountain. So they would they would sort of right, during okay. certain specific times of the year, uh, maybe mainly the winter, so only two three times in the year, they would roam into the in the countryside, go to the mountain, just groups of women. Um, I can't tell as much of like what their status as women were. If they were all free wives, or if they were slaves, or if they were Right. Occupying another position, yeah. they, they sort of gather together, do those rituals, and just really go dance on the mountain in the forest, uh, sort of where, un like, in this shocking statement that there was no man with them, and that was very unusual mm. at the time. And it's also like there's many. I think the, the main accounts we have of the main ads obviously are from the Euripides and Bacchae, uh, which is a play about, as we're saying, like Dionysus and the main ads. Yeah. And kind of takes into account of the subjects I'm looking at. Yeah, in my yeah. Essay. And also, I think some stuff by Pythagoras or uh, what's some historian who like wrote about the wars in Greece, and he has a lot of accounts and examples of these Greek women getting together and really sort of showing a spirit that was completely sub like subservient to the to the to the culture at the time because they were gathering together as women. And really showing the the equivalent of fraternity. What do you, do you know the equivalent of fraternity for women? What it's called? The word? No. It's often sorority. Sorority. <laughs> oh yeah, word. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do <laughs> yeah. know that. So sorority. Yeah. Um and yeah. I always associate those terms with America though, fraternity. True. Fair, yeah, that that kind of sucks. I kind of thought yeah. that. Yeah, it's just it's just the corruption of our. Yeah, it'd be nice if if you look at like the, the paintings of some of the way later sort of romantic paintings that were done of the main ads. It'd be nice to live in a sorority, but you yeah, just yeah. dress in the white toga and go dancing on the mountain. Yeah, well, there's there's one painting in your essay yeah. that's really beautiful. The women of Anfisia. Yeah, um, that's that's uh, just the one where they're in the gowns and they're lying sure. they're yeah. lying so, down. The name of the painter should should be there beneath it, but it's just it's the woman of Amphisia. A nineteenth century painting representing the scene of the women and in Amphisia. Amphisia. Yeah. Uh, Amphisia. Lawrence Alma Padima. Yeah. Eighteen eighty seven. You can find that. Um, but yeah, that's a beautiful painting, and there's just there's women in in like white robes, just like draped mm. over this sort of forecourt, and yeah, and it's like doesn't it evoke? It gives you a sense that. 
this isn't just you know like this isn't this is why it's not just a question of like talking about these themes of, of goddesses and and women's rituals but it, they're massively just experienced and felt that if you would go dancing on the mountain today mm. with your friends as part of the ritual you touch in some of those explorations of like identity and culture and ritual that they, they, they don't they don't like they don't need you to be a woman or to be at that time living at that time yeah which yeah. is why which is why it's the, the living goddess right because that's like um so it can still be invoked basically you can you even these old traditions aren't entombed in the past absolutely they can they can be touched upon now they they consist of a massive lineage and heritage uh which i would have no idea of if i wasn't looking at trying to look at the undercurrents of of these rituals and stories yeah yeah in the case of the main ads i can try to tie that link to give an actual example of what it means to have a goddess heritage to these stories um in the case of the main ads, the sort of tributary gods of the main ads is Dionysus. And Dionysus is, you know, often, or it is basically the god of, like, the rebel god, the one that doesn't, like, often in some of the stories, the, the, the other Olympian gods don't want to associate him with Olympus because he's so different. He's endogenous. He's sort of gender non forming. Uh, he's widely associated with psychedelics <laughs> and ritual. Like, the, the, the actual, the, the diet, so. The main ads are known for drinking wine as well, and wine was prohibited to women in many Greek cities. Uh, but what's interesting is that if they're dancing in the winter, where are they going to get wine? Because it's winter. Right. So there wouldn't be wine. What 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 is presumed looking at like where they were where they were dancing in Thebes and where there were accounts of them in Greece is that they probably be picking some of the psychoactive plants or mm. mushrooms on the mountains. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And ingest them in a drink. Uh, which would make them go in a sort of frenzy, which is like what they call like a mainatic frenzy or the bacchic frenzy. So, which is why like Dionysus is associated as the god of dance and celebration, that they just sort of become Dionysus in the dance, like really being fused. Which is what, what, what you know, the word, another word for psychedelic, uh, entheogen. Right, I, I didn't know until I read your essay. And that, and that <laughs> word means into, so entheos. Gen, gen, like genus, like Genesis creation, enthios in God, theos God. So you'd like become infused with God, mm. <laughs> basically. You know, just the standard. And there's a, there's like an argument that you start party. to, which is, you start to correlate in your essays that why were these women, you know, with that um, that if if the God was in them, yeah, um, and that uh, there's a quote you have that if for gods to exist they have to be mirrored sure Harrison yeah Harrison so Jane Harrison and Phoebus yeah uh, just a big old big old scholarly book that I wouldn't recommend to read like yeah and he, he's, he puts it he puts it really concisely doesn't it's he her, it's her actually oh it's her just a good point really here. Jane Harrison Jane Harrison 1904 you wouldn't think oh I thought because yeah. there's another historian called Harrison yeah yeah, and I, it's a, Harrison's yeah and I, I, but it's funny that I related <laughs> it straight funny. to a man so yeah. there you have it um, <laughs> in the text <laughs> But yeah, uh, she says, a god-goddess can only exist mm. so long as he is the mirror of the people who worship him. And yeah. you say, what, like, why are women, um, why are women, do women have a, a male? Yeah. Such a close relationship to a god if, if you know, they'd, they'd come back from their ritual and they'd be at home with, in a relationship that's extremely complicated, forced marriage and economic marriage and so on, and they'd be slaves, they'd be prostitutes or occupy another, like, undesirable position and yeah. they would go and worship a male god in their own sort of free 
will and, and time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was really struck by that. And because there's a quote as well, there's a um, from the Euripides Bacchae mm. that says, When shall I dance once more with bare feet? The all-night dancers, tossing my head for joy in the damp air and the dew, as a running fawn might frisk for the green joy of the wild fields, to dance where the darkness is deepest, where no man is. And I was, and I was, and I was really struck by that last part where the no where no man is yeah and i mean you could take that as literally no man as in yeah. woman or male or you yeah but you, you could also look into that. it as like where there is no men um really? so i'm kind of yeah intrigued by that or you, or you could take it as you know what what were what did men represent and what did sort of male order represent at the time it's just a very a very undesirable way of life <laughs> mm. the, the rise of the greek cities uh, i mean if they if they if the main ads for like felt forced or that they had to need that they ne needed to be pushed out of the city and go to these areas of like wilderness or mountains it's because there was something just undesirable about that way of life and so yeah it's also that's also like <clears throat> yeah, yeah the main point of this whole essay and discussion when we're like oh does it mean to be you know if we want to partake in any of these interest or discussion does that mean we have to tap into the feminine tap into the masculine and it's like no it's just that both of these mm. represent something yeah, yeah. like there's historical cultural constructions beneath both and it doesn't mean doesn't need to be associated with an actual male or female man or woman they just like you don't have to be a man or woman to partake in such like ecstatic celebration really right right you just have to, if, you, if, if you do it makes sense that it's less associated with masculinity and the male order yeah and that makes you know and that you can see that that you can follow that thread of the argument with dionysus being at the center of that yeah and, um, so and yeah and that's sorry <laughs> that's the long winded path to go to the dionysus in that case is thought of as not being associated with the androcentric or, or male order of, of ancient greece because so in, in the in the back eye there's a the part a part of the back eye where he's like lamenting that all these all these uh, cities and cultures are at war with each other and that there's no less dance less celebration less festivals the earth is plundered etc um because they're no longer worshiping his mother and his mother is actually i'm not mistaken getting right is kibeli kibeli okay so kibeli is um a thracian east so like from minor asia anatolia really which is like turkey nowadays uh, a goddess uh, who's also the goddess of of dance and ecstasy and associated with a lot of fertility cults mm -hmm. and the idea being more that he sort of you know in the like inheritance of mythology he passes on those elements and aspects of culture and, and dance and frenzy from his mum from his mother, from his mother and is, is yeah. Dionysus like always associated with a uh, male or is, is he like androgynous or is it... I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he's androgynous uh, writers like Sophie Sophie Strand is there any time when yeah. he's female like he's he's in a female form hmm very good question so I feel like I remember there yeah, was but I oh in the back eye in the back eye that so... he's, he, he's like a woman right uh, in the back, in the back eye, the person that tries to be a woman that uh, <laughs> dresses up is actually sort of the enemy of Dionysus, who's Pentheus, who's one of the, who's the, the king of the city and, and the one, the main person that tries to oppose like the rights of Dionysus from happening. And he ends up, um, 
having horrible death. <laughs> so that's a lesson. lesson. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> he ends up being like dismembered <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, killed, yeah. By his, killed by his mum. Yeah, Pentheus is sort of like the the mortal enemy of kind of Dionysus. Of Dionysus, right? yeah. Yeah. And I I think that like, you could you could say that if you sort of craft that narrative, so Euripides crafting a narrative in, in the back eye, like he, he knew what he was doing. So he had he had in mind that there were greater realms of things behind those little like sort of massive symbols or mm. metaphors behind drawing an opposition between a city build a king that wants to reign over order and right he represents against, he represents yeah, that and is like terrified of women going out in their own groups and dancing and stuff versus Dionysus mm. yeah yeah that's that's, mm. that's fascinating mm. um so I feel like this is a good time for a, <laughs> for a song. Um, and you, you were kind enough to send over some beautiful tracks. And uh, I feel like maybe which side are you on by the Ramages? From the album mm. Ramages would be a, a beautiful sure. uh, interlude to the chat. Okay. Um, so that's up next. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Can you stand it? I'll 
cowboy will you be a man which side are you on boys which side are you on which side are you on boys which side are you on which side are you on boys which side are you on which side are you Which side are you on? And uh, you were saying that that was sung for the green yeah. and the common. So that's that's another topic I try and put into my essay <laughs> <laughs> among the, the many strands that constitute this this web of like goddesses, women's resistance, rituals, and mythologies. Um, but this one is much more. I mean, it kind of seems out of place. But but green and common is. Uh, a protest movement that mm. happened in the 80s in the UK and uh, Berkshire, I believe, so near Wales. Um, yeah. On the Greenham Common camp, which was a military camp where the UK government in the Cold War was trying to store loads of nuclear missiles so that they would be there in silos and stuff. And it's, in my opinion, one of the craziest accounts of any protest of like sort of the modern era <coughs> because it, what it ended up being is, so it, st it started with um, a group of 40, 30, 30 women walking from Cardiff, so mostly mothers, friends and so on, leaving their families and stuff and walking to Cardiff, from Cardiff to, to Berkshire to Green Common, um, and just like a sort of standard movement for peace, anti-war, sort of anti-nuclear uh, weapon protest. And they arrived there and they were just massively sort of mocked by the military, obviously like, oh, you did for cleaning or just throwing out you know stupid shit mm. and they stayed so they were like oh we don't care if you stay here and so the woman stayed um and over like the course of four or five years they were joined in by thousands and thousands of other women and it led up to like i think at the height of it in some months of 82 or 83 there were like 40,000 60,000 women so obviously it's not all women but the point is that it grew out of, of that yeah yeah and it represents and just draws a lot and I think the, the song the song which has such a simple catch and phrase you know which side are you on it just you can almost like draw <laughs> not a straight line maybe a bit of a curvy line between the previous topic we were talking about where it's like Dionysus and Pentheus and Dionysus represents more of the the androgyny the the woman's resistance their own sort of wild and free space versus Pentheus the male order and there which side are you on in the case of green and common it would be all these women who are creating this alternative space of living in fucking military camp mm. and you know like descriptions of this versus, or versus the military basically versus men that are you know enforcing an order of war and destruction mm. and that space like the accounts of that space um were just sort of kind of fantastic and just unbelievable so they'd like just be in song all the time because well, just they'd be there all day with their kids or people coming and leaving. And you can imagine like the evenings, you can imagine sort of lifestyle, you can imagine how, you know, without having, without having any of the sort of prerogatives or, or beliefs someone 
like interested in feminism and and mm. the talking about what what would you imagine life to be in the camp to be? You clearly think it'd be pretty different from like I don't know a family unit or or sort of a city or a village. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And people can believe that they had left their like domestic realm. Yeah. To be out on the. Yeah, the, the news and the, the, the length of it. Yeah, the length of how long the protest was is just incredible. Really, they, I think they did leave in like two thousand something. They like the final sort of before it became. Now it's like a public park because that kind of worked. <laughs> the protest worked, which is great. Yeah, but yeah. The, the final traces of it stayed until two thousand, and yeah, during that whole time, like I was saying, imagine you can imagine the sort of reaction of the news. Most of the media were like, were sort of their imagination of what life life could be on there was probably pretty biased because they were like oh, oh yeah, know, so I a mean, bunch of unshaved lesbians <laughs> yeah completely like depressed once again going to those binaries <laughs> like trying trying to force yeah, yeah, yeah. extreme and that's where the news is very dangerous because yeah it breaks down uh, things into opposites sure. um you know for sure. and against good and bad yeah. women versus men yeah um but yeah. what the greek myths seem to always be saying and even the myths uh the myths written by men that look at women, they're always looking at further ways to diseng- disintegrate that, like, concept of binary, right? Nice, that's, that's really, yeah, I fully um, agree with that. And I think it was, it was a very difficult um, topic to sort of get around how to express it, this idea of dualisms and boundaries in my essay and in this discussion, because we are, essentially, we are, I, mean, I just said, you know, this song is which side are you on? You say, oh, that's a dualism, and I just said, you know, Pantheus versus Dionysus, all these women... Right, and there's also what you said at the beginning of the song, which side are you on, boys? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you could really, it's so easy to be like, well, yeah, for one, it's a question that literally makes dual, dualism. Yeah. Yeah. Boys kind of like a derogatory term sure. for the men. Sure. But then if you look a little bit closer, you find out that they're mothers or, yeah. you know, women, uh, you know, and they will have children that will be That's, men absolutely. and yeah. women at the same time. Yeah. Um, and there's just more and more intricacy as you like look into it. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about what your essay does mm. at its like, finest is that um, you, you kind of draw those opposites, but then you show the detail beneath. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. for me, the, the, the answer to that, the detail was that, well, it's not, it's not so much as we're going to oppose two sides and call you know, everything that is what men do and what's associated with this polarity, you know, like, oh, the rational, the heroic, the the, the viral, the viral, mm, viral, viral, yeah. wow, <laughs> virility, virility, um, viral virility. Yeah, I'd have a lot of words in like <laughs> I'm French and I have a lot of words in French. Ah, of course, shift, yeah, shift yeah, pronunciation, yeah, yeah, and tone, um, the city, etc. Well, like even you know, out the words of Greek philosophers to make this this division, and then on the side of woman, you have irrational emotions, the dancing, the maenad, and so on. But what I think is that even if I'm presenting like this is a dualism because you have to discuss both sides and sort of look at the historical realities, the truth is that this division is problematic and like even the way I discuss it, I find shout that it's problematic because on the side of what's associated with the women and the goddesses and the rituals and the just the sort of female order is a more of, it's more of a refusal and a refusal and a, like disintegration of boundaries and dualisms. It's more of something where there are like webs and like like non-hierarchies n- n- like n- neither dualisms nor hierarchies there's just the the stuff with 
the, the main ads in the Bacchic Frenzy, the height of the Dionysic ritual, the height of it where you really find communion with Dionysus and you're fully, just imagine like, I don't know, a techno party or a rave. <laughs> I, funnily enough, a lot of the stuff I read to write this essay are scholars looking at the links between Dionys Dionysic rituals and techno or rave culture in wow. Europe. Wow. Because, because the point is that yeah, yeah. when you get at the height of the party, holy shit, all boundaries are gone. Like, no, like, you know, you're just, you're just this, you are this communal expression. That's what it means. But this, this is a good point you raise, actually, because I, I was thinking about, you know, um, festival cultures yeah. uh, today and how, um, I mean, it's kind of since the beginning of, like, civilization, there's always been, you know, you can, you can, you can even trace it back to, like, um, you know, the first slave trades and that there would be, like, parties where, mm. you know, you let off some steam and Before. you have a day of debauchery, you know, you ply them with alcohol and yeah. and like we're a music festival and everyone goes, you know, you buy a two hundred pound ticket and you go to you, you camp and you're outside the the realm of society. Temporarily, right? Temporary. And then just... but then that's like just a safety valve to allow, you know, culture to just come back on stronger and thicker yeah. and say, Look, hey, here you've had your moment. So yeah, how do you feel about that? Because I always feel a little bit so, conflicted um, about yeah. those events. You know, how revolutionary are they? Especially in this day and age where it's like monetized and... It's it's definitely like, it's like it's just telling that we can still feel that experience. You can still feel that experience of like today of going to the festival, going to the rave, going to the sort of whatever choice, revolt, re rebellious revolt event you have and then come back to reality or come back to the main order and feel like oh this has been such a shift like why is it why is one constant and why is it you know smaller compared to the wide order and that's sort of yeah. the whole topic of one of the books i looked at and that i consider just like just one of my favorite books really called uh, dancing in the streets by that's another name uh barbara aaron aaron reich aaron reich that i have here and it's sometimes it's a history of collective joy and what it does is that well yeah it's just one like it just it's one of the other insights and links to make this story more sort of grounded and make more sense given the historical examples we're looking at which is that collective joy collective sort of effervescence and things you other ways you describe what happens with the the main ads and many other greek uh women's rituals at the time are just a sort of innate mm. feature of human societies like the, the idea of ritual the idea of having your your communal dance, your like setting of bodies in motion together uh, to create a sense of, of binding community and belonging and hospitality. They're just observed at all time in all, all cultures, in all situations. And the idea of festivals, like this, this, this now, this is the kind of part of the book that kind of errs you because you're not expecting it really. You know, you're just, mm. you're expecting like a dialogue of, oh, okay, you know, there's all this dancing and it's great and people who aren't dancing are the problem and it's boring and now we're dancing less etc but it's not really what it says what it says is that <laughs> the creation of, of festivals and celebrations per se the ones that we know nowadays that are attributed to certain parts of the year that are attributed to certain settings that are you know in the context of a specific like a, a venue etc they are creations of this this order this culture that wants to limit uh, the sort of continuous, they added, they added it could be continuous dancing and t continuous communal joy as a means of just social stability. Mm. Uh, and so if you associate like the church, the early church created these holy days and like 
before, before so people who are interested in the roots of Christianity uh, know that a lot of the early church they'd just be like dancing and celebration all the time because why would you why would you limit your expression and joy of God to like certain yeah, days of the week yeah so. if, it, if it if it allows a greater <laughs> communion of your God which is the same case as the Dionysus rituals why would you cut it to certain days of the week but in this dualism of cultures that we're doing if one culture doesn't appreciate that they're going to want to limit it and want to control by ascribing these this like continuous communal dancing to specific dates and limited ways of expressing it and mm. so it, it, it yeah, creates yeah. this massive confusion of like just loads and loads of examples of in the book at least of um like revolts and rebellions and and festivals festivities that are just they're just there because they're just there because they're more here like as, as a reaction to an order and context of things that is just like what would just flee like freely flow from the people so when you when you said this you said, did you mention the slave something in front of like the slave revolts well yeah in the slave trade there's like this documented yeah. isn't it that you know white slave owners would you know once in a blue moon yeah. they'd throw a party and they'd supply them basically. with liquor yeah basically and and well that's like one of the terms that's often looked at under is like rituals of subversion so rituals of subversion would be where the, the slave owners or the military or the priests or the men or whoever is the dominant group of society would particle you know the work the, the work class the borders etc would participate in uh celebrations with the oppressed part of society but they only do it for a few days and you could and like the, if you question yourself and say oh what why why would they do that you know aren't mm. they just happy with the way they're ruling things and want to continue with the order but it's sort of like if they're doing it and they still feel if they, they, they like doing it and they have a certain joy and like interest in doing it mm. it's surely they just would have gone crazy otherwise <laughs> yeah just, like yeah. that sort of order would have exploded <laughs> so and that's yeah you that's need you of, need that sort of yeah it's and that, that role reversal is also so important mm -hmm. um those festivals in in uh greek greek uh, society that yeah would where the you know the king or the ruler is the fool. Yeah. The fool yeah, yeah. is the king and, and everyone and it just allows you to sort of peep behind the curtains of all these like labels and uh, the subjectivity of our for viewpoint sure. really. So that's that's I think the best maybe the best example, at least from what I've looked at, that would be like yeah, we'd find in Greek society and Greek culture. Probably like theatre, but theatre itself is also kind of hypocritical because theatre men could get the chance of incarnating goddesses or women. And so, mm. sort of, you know, you can imagine a ritual subversion <clears throat> from that point on. But then, it also, it's men. Like they're just, they're just hip. It's also, it's only men acting behind masks, right? And they're pretending to be, to be women. You could say that's a pretty bit more of a hypocritical. Yeah, case definitely. In a yeah, society where yeah, definitely. They're so, so the right. Greeks are like any any society of all of all humankind. <laughs> they're they're just a, an interesting dichotomy, <laughs> aren't they? Of, they're such. The more you look into them, the more confusing it is as well. Because that I just. In terms of uh, a society that was alive to the myth, of, yeah, it's 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 so their their myth is so strong and so potent, and, and you know, I mean, it's, it survives today. It's very much like very much we kind of see it as a you know like a culture of boundaries, right? You know, we kind of see it as oh, it's resting between still the mythical age of people believed in myths and all that, yeah, fables and yeah, yeah, and the rational and science and the 
techno and polis the city and other because would you go cities. so far to say that like the, the the average like greek citizen knew of you know the the pantheon of gods and would have you know had, would, like, would have had like a a, a, a day-to-day one. relationship with that probably i mean if if the city if the city has massive involvements and celebrations they definitely would have attended probably yeah and then and, and and even when you were saying about like the, um, you know, there there'd be like arguments about who are they, are they voting for Athena yeah. or Poseidon, yeah, yeah. and the fact that there would be enough feeling and emotion to get angry about those things. Mm. Um, I just I just think that one of the dangers of our society is that beyond the this course of the, the politics of imagination, <laughs> that's um, the main danger. Like, we are the main danger. Um, we're, like, we're, we're coming. We're coming at you. <laughs> Is that we don't we don't think in myth anymore, mm. um, and that but we're always surrounded by myth. You know, yeah. like the fact that um, I can invest money in in a bank that I've sure. you know don't know that is a myth beyond That's just epic like, proportion. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, so we ha- we have that, but we <laughs> don't acknowledge. Yeah, we don't acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think that's really scary because. There's, we're not really alive to the fact that we are st- still telling myths. They they've just shape shifted into mm. another form. Mm. You know, that capitalism is is, is a yeah. huge myth. Um, yeah, yeah. But so, that's why I'm fascinated yeah. with the Greeks because they they have such an alive myth and they have you know all these gods and um, there's such a richness in literature and culture. But then your essay looks at this still this problem and of like patriarchal dominance. So. Well, so okay, and I think this is where we can sort of make the the myth of poetic turn. Kind of is that if if we are if we're still studying the Greeks so much and we still have so much interest in them and believe that like there's direct links between how they were living and what we're living is that you know there are these remaining elements we we still inherit the sort of the birth of like the age of philosophy with yeah whichever that's whichever, true. Yeah. whichever Greeks were you know standing talking about it and from <laughs> from from then from there on we inherit notions of like the rational the the yeah, like the, the the best way of thinking is the by arguments and by philosophy the best right. way of ruling is this way or that way and it's not i don't think it's as much as like so there's a mythical that there's a mythical loss when we go from uh i mean there, I mean, there is there is a mythical loss but it's not it's not so much that it was it was like fully standing before then there wasn't already notions that are problematic for us to that, or that are harming for us to live by mm. to believe on, like in the reign of only rationality or the reign of only men and so on and that's why that's why there is a mythopoetic sort of counter history to go through if you want to look at and understand why people still were so mesmerized by the greeks and attached to it and that's something that i've drawn a lot into this essay from uh, robert graves uh so Robert Graves, in myths, like in Greek studies, it's probably known because he wrote some massive books of Greek myths, mm-hmm. uh, which do talk about sort of what I talk about in the, in the essay as well. But his main book that was of interest to me, that got recommended by Valentine, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> in, the, in the first uh, module, was The White Goddess. And so The White Goddess um, that I have here mm. is a very... I think a lot of a lot of scholars weren't convinced by it. Yeah, it's a very hot topic, isn't it? Yeah, he definitely pulled out a lot of he definitely pulled out a lot of those facts out of his ass. But but the but the but the beauty of it, just like a lot of like, just like the beauty of sort of crafting your own narrative, like I am trying to do in in the essay, is that 
it looks at it looks at sort of well, why we are still suffering from the mythical changes that Greek society went through and stuff that we can recognise and and like just relate to directly in the way in the way that I, I say you know I mentioned multiple times that you can re relate and be interested in directly the the idea of the collective joy or the collective dance mm -hmm. without yeah, yeah. associating with either side and what he what he what he says in that book is that there supposedly was a massive shift between a society that was matriarchal or at least um what other word what other word did it like matrilinear i think so, that, right. that's, so that's, it's a distinction I kind of like because it's a distinction that's important in this context. The sort of sort of between like patrilinear patriarchy and matrilinear matriarchy, because it's so in patriarchal society you'd say men are ruling, sure, and yeah. it's not only that. It's like sort of it's two levels. It's men are ruling, but also a certain way of speech, of thoughts, of daily life, of economy, whatever, like trickles down from this, and you could call it you know, sort of a male sort of order. Yeah. And yeah, like it influences it influences it in its in its cosmology. And so things have a certain kind of events, hierarchies are created and so on, because of that sort of it's not it's not it's not associated with that men really. It's just that it, in historical by historical examples it's always happens to be that like so mm -hmm. patriarchy would be pa patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, patriarchy would be that element and patriarchy would be just the fact that it's men. You know that the it's father son yeah, you can, passed down. You probably find a bunch of cultures where people are living fine without destroying the earth and they're patrilinear, right? So Oh, I they, see, I you know, see. So they'd, like, they'd be father-son, but they, they don't necessarily have to be living by hierarchies and, and so on. So patriarchy is more of a in, like all-encompassing? Kind, kind of. Well, it's just by, by account of those two kind of distinctions or those two levels that I get. Right, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. on the other side, between like matrilinear and matriarchy, so ma matriarchy... That's why, like, it wouldn't have to be sort of pe people. People who criticize, <laughs> people who like, who are, like interested in matriarchy, often go, "Oh, why well, we just want the reverse? Why well, we just want the society where there's a hierarchy between men and women, where women are on top?" <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is that women wouldn't necessarily have to be on top. It's more that the sort of spirit of that culture is sort of infused with the whole lot of a whole a completely different mode of expression, mode of thought, and and mythical intentions because women are occupying specific spaces and it's just like it's you know it's like there's in that given society i don't think there should be like they, i don't think they had an intent of making women like saying oh women are more important than men it's just that because women were having these positions of the main sort of you know priests and mothers and companions and so on mm. the whole like yeah the, the order would turn into something to be way less oppressive and hierarchical. And that's what that's what Graves looks at and Graves look like drawing inspiration from some other historical accounts, uh, proposes that there was a massive civilizational shift in Greece around like three thousand BC or something around basically around the rise of Mycenae. So Mycenae and the Mycenaeans are like sort of just the culture that existed before. What we call classical Greece, and before them there was the Minoans, right? Uh, the Mino the Mino yeah. Well, the, the Minoans probably older, but also they lived at the same time. Um, that's why this this whole exploration of Minoan culture is made, where a lot of the the gods, including Dionysus, that were the gods of the Greek pantheon, and especially a lot of the female gods, 
uh, are supposed to come from Minoa. So Minoa right. is just an island, but it's like Crete. Minoa is Crete, really. It's just yeah. Minoa. Just but it had a, it was sort of it had a more of a cultural connotation as well, right? Uh, there was a lot matrilineal. of matrilinear. Matrilinear, yeah. And so that's so you could like if you picture in your mind all the descriptions we were giving of the Green and Common <laughs> camp, where it was well, it, it wouldn't be the same because it wouldn't be just sixty one thousand women living together. But the idea was that is that there would be a sort of there'd be a color and then like an emotion and a, a spirit to a culture that lives that way because it is matrilinear. So what they found in the archaeology of the Minoan Crete Island is way less depictions of war and of soldiers, uh, way more colours in the in the sort of just fresques and paintings, kind of crazy <laughs> engineering and like sub-nautical sort of constructions on the side of the island and stuff, uh, a real interest in like vegetation and plants and mm. a bunch of consumption of psychedelics especially opium, um, there's loads of fresks of like Minoan goddesses consuming opium stuff. And meanwhile, meanwhile, in Mycenae, which is the, which is the, the culture that ended up um, wiping out the whole of Minoa around that time, there's way more descriptions of like just war and violence and there's way more just expansion of cities and territories, which is why probably they went to, to Minoa the nearest island because they probably want some some minerals or rare rare resources right. in the islands and wipe it out and so from like from those from that example grave goes graves go, goes like well these two are not only representative but this like yeah representative but also a decisive turning point into cultures like the Minoan culture that must have been way more widespread around Europe uh, so that's kind of kind of what's generally like imagined as sort of idealized you know matriarchy past yeah much more what societies are much more egalitarian and dated like yeah just that was sort of the old, old europe um mm. imaginary and he and his point is that that's really important in our mythology because obviously the the matriarchy society had much more goddesses and they had much more sort of fertility uh, ecstasy, plant, vegetation, lunar goddesses, and from all sort of all of that cosmology and way of life, trickle like trickles down a much more <laughs> saner and I can't I mean I can't exactly recall what the, the words graves use, but he sort of being a, a poet and a, and a scholar and an author, he just is like, fascinated by it and he just really sort of traces a loss in mythic imagination and the loss in mythical beauty and sort of the goddess poetry describes that would like have less binaries and boundaries and be more open that is like lost in that shift hmm. and so even even if you, you could say his historical example is not perfect or accurate it's really for that book did, did, he, have, sense, did he ever yeah. claim that it was historic yeah, yeah he, he wrote this book and some other books are just he claims that they're accurate, but they're really just like so neat. Like he also, and I think the white goddess is mainly around Celtic. It's mainly around Celtic goddesses, right? Sort yeah, of all other Celtic. Goddesses. Yeah, that's what I thought when I when I, I, yeah, I yeah, always yeah. relates it to the Celtic um, myths. But... He just he just grabs stuff all over the place. He's right. way way worse than what I did. <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs>
But I mean, you, you find it with a lot of those books. Like, yeah. I mean, like the Lord of the Rings is just talking yeah, just sure. like sound bites of all these different cultures and then I meld it into a... Sure, 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 sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as long as you're not claiming that you're uh, making these things up, I think it's very valid to um, look, look things through an imaginative mm. lens to reconfigure what we originally thought. You know, and Absolutely. reshape our um, perception of our imagination. Yeah, yeah. binaries. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and so and so that's like from that from that sort of springboard, a, a whole lineage and way of thought, uh, kind of painted or, or coloured the, the whole Maya essay and the whole the, these other examples of. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, the Greek woman to green and common, and you know, between those two points, you could say, oh, the witches. Um, yeah. Yeah. The witches were just women who had herbal knowledge and really important like medicinal community members and what they would burn mm. <laughs> and like just painted as evil uh i don't know you probably find a bunch of historical examples but the point is the point is that the, the essential facets of these two ideas and ways of thought are drawn from like yeah what what graves talk about and talks about in the white goddess mm. and they and they just they can still be fully experienced in their entirety when you look at these stories yeah yeah and that's yeah that's that's it's beautiful i mean that's the what myth troubles us into isn't mm. it that uh, we always want to sort of hold on to what we think we know but um there's always more beyond beyond this the scope of uh, black and white absolutely. and men and women and all that binary. yeah absolutely um, there's to gain both sides. <laughs> yeah, it's to gain from both. Absolutely. And also not to disown the sides that we come from, sure. you know. Definitely. Not to disown the feminine, not just disown our own masculinity, but to to delve into that as you have or attempted in uh, your essay. I've tried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm aware of I'm aware of the time and um we'll play we'll play one last song. Okay. Uh because you are you you're singing in a choir later or uh, Not, right. we are we are practicing singing. yeah practicing for to, to do a song share um, down the hill afterwards with people. beautiful so I feel like the it's going to be an anti-military song actually really <laughs> French, French <laughs> well there you have it but it's serendipity yeah yeah um, <laughs> is there is there any other the selection that you chose that you'd, you'd love to finish I think the well you can just probably put a song from the, the same um album as the previous one, Shola Pes. So yeah, Shola Pes. That starts with an image of uh, a woman dancing on a on a Greek. Yeah, this is it's a beautiful um, album cover as well, I have yeah, to say. Um so yeah, we'll finish that. We'll finish the show and thank you sure. thank you Roman for being on uh, the radio with thank me. You. Discussing a hard topic. All right, thank you, and, and uh, good night to those listening. Sur la place chauffée au soleil, une fille s'est mise à danser. Elle tourne toujours pareil aux danseuses d'antiquité. Mais sur la ville, il fait trop chaud. Oh, mes femmes sont assoupies.
danse vibrante d'air chaud Ou pas même ne paraît un chien Ondulante comme un roseau La fille bondit, s'en va, s'en vient Ni guitare, ni tambourin Pour accompagner sa danse Elle frappe dans ses mains Pour se donner la cadence Ainsi certains jours paraissent Une flamme à nos yeux Le chien 